Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have a dear friend, a beautiful lady with me today. She simplifies to amplify what's smart and unique about your offering. Now, we are going to dive deep on that. I promise you, I'm not going to leave you hanging on that. That like, like, Brian, what is that? I, 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 we're going to get to it. I promise you that. She's the founder and CEO and chief sales officer and sales strategist of the Alteza Advisory Group. I hope I said that right. You and did. she is my friend, Sylvia Lee, who joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hi, Sylvia. How are you today? I'm great, Brian. What an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. Let's start here. And, I, and I've been starting here with a lot of my guests around how COVID-19 has changed their lives, their business, things like that. Because again, I want the perspective of another place. And then, you know, because I'm here in West Virginia, you're in the Chicago area. And I just want the perspective of how the last year has been for you, some lessons you've learned mm-hmm. around the pandemic and things like that. So take me through the last year, what it's been like for you since March of last year when all of these things started happening? Well, I'll tell the story in two ways, uh, or there's a two-part story here, Brian, if I may. So one is personally and professionally, I really practice grace. Uh, so this, this notion of, you know, giving grace to others, giving grace to myself, and, and um, really being much more mindful and, and forgiving of what others might be dealing with so just a little bit of context, uh, you know, before the pandemic, I had for some time worked on my leadership mindset, really thought carefully and deliberately about the ways that I do want to show up uh, in service of others, not only in business, but, but in my community and, and for those around me. And the pandemic really pressure tested some of those lessons, if you will. <laughs> and, and, and rolling the tape back a little bit further, even before uh, those couple of years when I really dove into that inner work, there was a different version of Sylvia that, that others out there <laughs> from years past might, might recall and, and chuckle when I mentioned that past version of Sylvia. I, I'm type A, you know, high D on disc. <laughs> you get the idea. So I, I let's say, you know, uh, ran a pretty tight ship and grace was not always front and center for myself or for others so long way you don't staying- say you were you were <laughs> not the driver driver right you know you people like me listen I didn't mean to interrupt you but people no. like me there are times I'm a high eye so I am like the other way I I just I I like you know t- I like to have when, when I deal with people like you Sometimes I have to have extra caffeine and I have to kind of batten down the hatches. And so I, I love, and, and no, I, I'm just, I'm teasing. You and I have a fantastic relationship. 
but I, I'm hearing you going, I'm a high D and I'm like, oh no, I'm a high I. I'm like the other, it's like this. If you're watching on YouTube, the, the D's go this way, the I's go this way. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, if you're doing the disc profile, you, you get it. And, and I hear a lot of you chuckling out there in my mind, like, yeah, Brian, we get it. She's a high D, you're a high I. Yeah. So, but you had to pressure test those things. So, so again, when, 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 when you talk about grace mm-hmm. be, having to be front and center for you, was that a hard thing for you to come to the realization of that internally? Because a lot of times when we're presented with this is how I present myself and I want to come to the fence, like mm-hmm. being a high eye. I have said to myself, I would love to have some of those D characteristics. Mm, mm. I would like to kind of move that needle that way because there are a lot of great things about the the D in the disc style. And I thought I've thought to myself, I would love to kind of shift my needle that way a little mm. bit. Take me through the thought process of actually applying grace yeah. to those situations. Whereas in the past, you might have said, I don't know about that. <laughs> So interestingly enough, I live with a man who is a high eye. <laughs> so I have a opposites do attract. Yeah, and and I and I'm married to a high D. So imagine yes. that, yes. right? I yes. I fundamentally believe that we seek in our partners and those around us those those things that we want to balance out in ourselves. Uh, so you know, it, I don't think it's just opposite for the sake of opposite, but it's those traits attributes that we see lacking in ourselves per se, right? Or per- perhaps, uh, or it, maybe it's those things that we want to work on. So yeah, so I'm partnered with a, a really wonderful man, um, you know, who's a high eye for the last 15 going on 16 years. So let's say I've had a phenomenal teacher at home uh, who talks a lot about showing grace uh, for others and he practices it every day. So he's in IT. So imagine <laughs> the kinds of calls he gets. Yes. And most of the time I sit there, like, you know, especially since the pandemic, we're working from home. He's in the back. I'm in the front. But I, I can hear some of his calls sometimes when I know I'm taking a brief break from my own calls. And I am astounded by his level of grace for others, patience, forbearance, um, just, you know, th- this heart to, to help and, and serve. Not to say that I don't have that, but his, his patience is extraordinary. And so, you know, in watching him be, be this mindful of, of, you know, how he's coming off, um, especially in, in a moment of need, right, that when, when others come to him, they, they have a need, they are probably panicked because something didn't go right. And he's very calm and uh, just walks them through the process, no judgment. And that, that's, that's um, I'll be honest, like that was hard for me as a high D, a high performer, right? It was like, hey, just get it done. <laughs> yes. This doesn't have to be difficult. And so. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have, yes, that is, that is a high D to a T. It, yeah, it doesn't have to be difficult. Just do what I tell you to do. Everything's going to be okay. I, Sylvia, I love that. Because I'm hearing my wife of the last 25, almost 25 years, I'm hearing her voice in my, in my, and, and, and you know what, Sylvia, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, 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 I want to take the conversation here for just mm-hmm. a quick second. Please do. I love what you said, because those conversations are some of the same conversations my wife and I have had. 
about having grace Mm -hmm. for other people, Mm -hmm. showing empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I wrote about it in People Buy From People. I wrote about Mm -hmm. people by empathy. And and that's a thing that people do is they buy empathy because, again, we we have to understand the importance of grace in that situation. Mm -hmm. When you had that aha moment, that light bulb moment where you said, yes, I have to, I have to incorporate more grace. Mm -hmm. Did you find internal resistance or were were you, did you find yourself kind of longing for that? Like, thank you. This is kind of what, because you, you could really have some internal turmoil, right? You could really have that, that struggle around. Mm -hmm. I I know I need to do this. I don't want to do this because it's contrary to the way I believe and the way I think. But take me through the the internal compartmentalizing yeah. of that aha moment. Great question, Brian. So I will openly admit that I had some limiting beliefs about grace and forgiveness, compassion, uh, patience, and and those limiting beliefs. And, and I, I I'm not you know diverting blame or responsibility, but I learned those limiting beliefs as a child, right? I I saw how one of my parents. Uh, was very demanding in terms of her expectations of other people. And, you know, anything short of perfection was not acceptable. And so I had some limiting beliefs to go, you know, I, I, I think I even mentioned to a mindset coach that, you know, giving grace to people is making excuses for other people. Yeah. I said that or something to that effect, right? So you could see right there, my own choices right the the mental barrier that i had about giving grace or, or even you know not can, I, can I jump like in can i yeah. jump in there because and again i do not say this and ask this to stereotype but i am thinking in my mind i had a good friend of mine that mm-hmm. that his parents were of korean descent mm. we went to high school together and he is one of the the he wasn't then because we clashed back back in high school but Pete is one of the sweetest, gentlest guys that I know. Mm-hmm. He had a radical transformation in his life when, mm. when he came to the Lord. But his father, when I, see, I was at Marshall University, and his dad was the dean of the business school. And I would see him in the hallways, and Dr. Kim would always tell me, are you studying hard? Are you getting good <laughs> grades? You know, I guess because Pete wasn't there. You know, it was, it it was the trickle down effect. It was like, he would see me as like, well, my son's not here for me to be, but, but I remember when Pete and his sister were growing up, their parents were demanding on them. Mm. They were demanding and you could, you could palpably see it. And I saw it not to the same degree, but I saw it when I would see Dr. Kim in the hallways at Marshall. Mm-hmm. He was demanding on me, and I was like, oh, I'm busted here. <laughs> and right, you were only there for a moment in the yeah, hallway. I'm, I'm, but I'm busted. I wanted to tell Dr. Kim, I wanted to say, Dr. Kim, you can ask any one of my professors how often I've been to class, and then you can browbeat me, you know, about how often I've been to class. Yeah, get some data first, man. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Do you yeah. feel like, and, and, and again, I, I do not mean to stereotype, but when you said that, mm-hmm. when you said that mm. about having a demanding mother, mm-hmm. to me, I saw what I saw in Pete's parents, mm. in Dr. and Mrs. Kim, and they're sweet, wonderful people, 
but I know that they were demanding on their kids. Yeah. They mm-hmm. were very demanding. I remember mm-hmm. times, you know, again, you know, Pete became a doctor. His, his, his sister, Leslie is, I mean, they're, they're both unbelievable people and, and the Kims are wonderful people, but they were demanding. Mm-hmm. They were very demanding. How was it for you to overcome mm-hmm. that demanding from your mom? Mm-hmm. You know, because I would have to think that it was inbred into her. It was put upon her. And then she demanded that of you. How was it to break through those limiting beliefs? So I, I've had a lot of time to think about that element. Um, so I just turned a year older. So I'm, I'm nearing an, another decade. <laughs> so, um, you know, Brian, to answer that question, I'll say this. So I, I have an interesting upbringing in that one parent was very demanding. And then the other was demanding, but in a healthier way, right? So I have a father who encourages me to be anything I want to be and supports me in, in everything I do. And, and the business woman that I am today, the business leader that I am today is because of my dad, not unlike you and your father and your journey uh, of growth and, and being a sales leader yourself. So all this to say, I had some interesting internal contrast <laughs> at home, right? To go, there was a parent who was like this. And then there was a, another parent who was like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, my reflection is, um, and I talk openly about this in, in my LinkedIn content and, you know, everything I do and, and speak about in that my, my mother had some unresolved trauma herself, right? So, so she had limiting beliefs that she passed on to me and my brother. And I think about how she herself was somebody who was hurt, who then hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean to say that she physically hurt us or anything like that, but no. she, she had, um, just some unresolved things that, that she hadn't dealt with. And so it, it, it just came out, right? So I always talk about how each of us is like a fruit, uh, right? We can either produce good, delicious juice <laughs> or we could be prickly <laughs> and produce and or produce bitter juice or none at all. So I just look at kind of like, you know, what she was made of internally. Uh, unfortunately, you know, she had some circumstances that made her um, have, you know, certain unresolved pain and, and, and such. And so I, I think about how, right, the, the way that she pushed us in a, in a strange way, that that was all she knew. So right. one of my, you know, insights, uh, you know, that, that I have carried through, you know, my, my, my trajectory in my career is, and especially in the last couple of years, is this idea that people don't know what they don't know, right? And, and sometimes, um, that lack of awareness pushes them to do things that aren't fruitful, right? Or aren't as healthy. And so to come full circle, you know, when, when, when I was asked the other day, like, what's one word that describes, you know, your last year, Sylvia, in, you know, starting last March to now this March or April, I go, you know, it's, it's really about uh, like balance, right? Finding that those complementary things. So if I'm, I'm, a really hard worker, right? How do I find time to restore? Um, so if, if in this case, right, so I, I, I do expect a lot from myself and others, but then grace is the counterbalance, if you will, yeah. to that. So to me, to sum it all up, uh, this last year has been about not just grace, but finding those, those balancing elements to those traits that are commonly uh, displayed by <laughs> IDs and type A's to go, hey, if I truly want to be of service to other people, if I want to be a leader 
who can truly grow other people into future leaders, I got to work on some of those things and, and really come at it from a balanced approach and perspective. I love that. That is so good. Let's step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask Sylvia to define being client-centric. <laughs> I love that. Because we're talking about serving others and being yeah. in service to others. So I want her to define being client-centric. Talking to my friend Sylvia Lee here on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Sylvia, I want you to discuss real quick, not, not real quick, but I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, and I love this. It says, are you client-centric? Because, again, when we deal with clients, we have to have grace. We have to have empathy, the things that we talked about. And, we, and, and sometimes in sales, we demand things from our clients. And sometimes we have to push our clients through limiting beliefs. All the things we covered in the, in the first segment of this podcast, we could put to that. I want to ask you, how do you define being client-centric? It's a two-step process, Brian, for me personally. So the first step is, you know, thinking about how am I putting myself in their shoes? So first and foremost, just right, and maybe it's even a step back from that to go, am I putting myself in their shoes? So for, for instance, um, I'm actually transitioning into a, a, a leadership role within a sales enablement tech startup company. And so I'm dealing with many different constituencies now. Um, some of, you know, some of which are new to me, some are very familiar to me. But regardless, I, I look at each person that each type of leader or each leader personally, right, and directly, and think about, am I stepping into her shoes? Am I stepping into his shoes? So someone who is a, you know, new, brand new first time sales manager, for example, or someone who's a veteran <laughs> a sales leader, they have, they might have the same functional title, or they might be dealing with some of the same business issues, but I want to go beyond the surface level stuff, right? To go, who is this person? What, what is he or she about? And what are some things that might pertain to them, right? In terms of a challenge in their personal life, or in business, and it, I don't mean to be creepy to go. I'm sleuthing, <laughs> in you know, in the hopes that they would buy from me. No, but he, and, and I, 
I, I love where you're going. And, and, and here's why I like where you're going with this. Okay. We, we've all heard in sales for years, we've got to put ourselves in the customer's shoes and we've mm-hmm. got it, you know, and things like that. And, and my argument is to that, I would say, well, that's great in theory, mm-hmm. but I wear a size 12 and my customer may wear a size eight. Yeah. That's going to be hard to do. Mm-hmm. And if and if somebody puts themselves in my shoes, my shoes might be a, a bit big if we're looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. I might say, well, why don't we find a shoe that fits us both? Why don't yep. we find something that that's comfortable for both of us? Yep. Am I am I thinking? Am I thinking the right way there, Sylvia? I want to get your thoughts around yeah. that too, because yep. I know we've got some folks listening that are business owners and they say, well, I'm trying to think about my client's needs, mm-hmm. trying to think about what my customers want. I'm trying to yep. think about, you know, all these different forces that come in to, mm-hmm. to creating the perfect experience for the customer. Yep. And, and it can be overwhelming at times. And it can almost be like putting a size 12. Mm-hmm putting a person that wears a size 12 into a size eight and, mm-hmm. and things like that. What do you think about that? That when, when, you, when you're thinking about that, mm-hmm. what was the one thing that you had to get in your mind that yep. maybe wasn't there about yeah. that concept? So I think that's part two of my approach in that not only am I putting myself in their shoes and I like the way you talked about the fit, right? So everybody has slightly different <laughs> foot shape and preferences for style and things like that. I'll, I'll address that in a moment. But the second part of my approach is this notion of how can I be brain friendly to that person? And that takes the concepts, right? The practice to another level in that I'm not just understanding somebody's challenges or their workflow or their schedule. I want to go, where can I add value in a way that would be, you know, very, very uh, receptive and and brain friendly, truly, right, consumable. So for instance, (laughs) um, I I love talking about sales, sales discipline, sales performance, but I go, okay, not everybody shares the same level of passion (laughs) or commitment or nerdiness around it. And not everybody needs to hear everything I have to say either. But I go, hey, if this person say, right, uh, just yesterday, I talked to a first time sales enablement manager. And I really thought about not only what her day might look like, right? Not only how she needs to partner and serve her internal constituencies, but I go, how can I make these concepts truly digestible and consumable for her? specifically. And, and I don't mean to say that, oh, I needed to dumb it down. It's not about dumbing down. It's to go, hey, for this individual, how can I, you know, package a couple concepts? How can I position a couple of things? You know, how can I communicate in a way where she would recognize, first and foremost, what I'm saying factually, but then to go, oh, I see that Sylvia has thought about ways that she can help me and wow, I, I hadn't even thought about these things, but now I know exactly where to go and apply or how these concepts, if applied, could help me, you know, either lessen the burden, <laughs> lessen the stress, add back time to my day or add joy to what I'm doing and, and 
um, add more value to those that I serve. I love that because, we, we, and I love the phrase that you use there, brain ready. Mm -hmm. Because again, you are trying to specifically put yourself into the thought process of that other person. Yeah. And, and it's almost like, you know, in sales, you have those moments where you're clicking and you're in connection mm -hmm. and synergy with those customers and you'll bring an idea to them and you go, and they'll go, how did you know what I was thinking? <laughs> yes. I've been thinking about that. I'm mm -hmm. glad you brought that up. It's been heavy on my mind. Mm -hmm. and, and it's it goes back to Sylvia watching, observing, mm -hmm. walking. And, and I, I use this analogy this way. A lot of times in sales, we say, well, we want to pull the customer into us and things like that. I say no, because here's the thing. If I'm standing even if I put my arm out for you to pull me, it takes a lot of energy on your part. And I might have some fear and I might dig my heels into the ground. Mm -hmm. How about this? How about you walk with me arm in arm, yeah. shoulder to shoulder, and we're walking in the same direction. I'm seeing what you're seeing. You're seeing what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And we're communicating going, okay, is this the path we want to go? No, let's take a different path. Mm -hmm. Or... Hey, I have some trepidation. Okay, what's up? Let's let's stop a minute. Yeah. When we're walking arm in arm, we're looking at the same thing. We're heading in the same direction. Yes. Yeah. And I love what you said there about thinking about ways to specifically help people. How do you train your brain for somebody that says, Sylvia, that's great. I would love to do that. But how do I train my brain yep. to go there? I'm going to tell a story to answer that question, and then I'll answer the question much more specifically, Brian. So in thinking about my own um, journey of unfolding as a leader, so being a high D, uh, someone paint, painted this uh, image for me, and, and he said something to the effect of, most Ds drag people along, right, instead of inviting them along. So high Ds tend to have these very dominant personalities. We are strong uh, you know, in our opinions, we stand firm <laughs> in our viewpoints. And a lot of times we unfortunately, in our enthusiasm and high energy, end up dragging people along instead of inviting them along. And so I think about that to go, gosh, like, I, 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 I don't know that that's really helping anybody or some of the frustration that I used to feel in working with others really came from that. Right, that I was dragging people and I was at a high velocity <laughs> dragging others along. So I, I started to think about, again, in service of balance, in the quest for those complementary skills and attributes, I really thought about like, hmm, instead of dragging somebody, how can I invite them? So that the image that you provided a moment ago of standing shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, right? I go, there, we have to create that invitation for the other person to do so. So it, it then forced me, I guess, in a way, in a healthy way to go, hey, what, what would be invitational? What would be inviting, right, for the other person instead of me telling them or dragging them along? So that, that's kind of the beginning of, of that journey. And again, luckily for me, I saw how my dad did that in business. He was very good at um, picking up you know, energy from other people. He saw 
how you know certain people needed to be met. And he was always about meeting them, not dragging. So all that's to say, I've had some great role models in my life who show me that, hey, you might actually have more joy and you're going to create more joy for other people if you create an inviting environment and inviting you know, energy versus having to drag somebody or just standing firm in your own little corner in, in the high D <laughs> quadrant. So that said, now practice-wise, I would say it, 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 it and I, I don't mean to, again, stereotype you know, anything, but being an immigrant, so, so I you know, came to the U.S., when I was 10, although, you know, came from a very vibrant cosmopolitan city, uh, Hong Kong, in case anybody's wondering. Um, but I had to think about how to adapt, right? So even from a young age, I had to think about how, how do I create those connections, right? To, to the kids in Ohio looking at me, I was a stranger. I was very, you know, un unfamiliar to them. So I had to, from a young age, like think about how, how can I not so much give up my identity, uh, but to go, hey, what, what can I do to bridge those gaps, right? So, so unfamiliarity usually breeds distrust. The opposite also is true, right? Familiarity breeds trust and like. So I, I think about that a lot, um, you know, having grown up in, in Cincinnati and, and, you know, having not that many people who look like me. <laughs> so the, all that's to say, I think about how, you know, instead of me standing firm in, in my space, I, I always think about what are those bridges I can build? How can I build those? Um, and it is, I think, from my dad's practice of observing. So he, he's a master uh, uh, student, if you will, of people's behaviors. And so I, I take that with me in business now to go, hey, you know what, well, let, me, let me observe, let me scan, let me take it in, um, but also give myself the grace, right, to, to go, hey, I'm going to hypothesize here a little bit. Let me try this. And, and if it doesn't work, you know, give myself the grace to go, hey, that was an experiment that didn't quite work. It's not necessarily that this person rejected me, that this person doesn't like me and won't trust me, but it's to go, hey, that approach didn't quite work. So what can I do differently next time to lob the ball across the court a little bit, you know, in a, in a more friendly way? Does well, that help? You, you grew up in the in the in the right place. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. I Bengal saw fan, that. So, I saw yeah. your mug. I was about to say yes. something. I thought it might come up anyway. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's step aside and take a quick break. When we come back, I want to tell Sylvia's story. She teased it just a minute ago, uh, coming to the United States. We're going to dive deeper into her story. My guest Sylvia Lee here today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People. 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, 
or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Okay, Sylvia, let's dive into your story. You said you came to the United States at 10 years old. Take me from point A as far back as you want to go to today and tell your incredible story. So I know um, you recently had Brian Cunningham on the show and you guys talked about, you know, his uh, transplantation to Hawaii. And so actually my story to the U.S. started in Hawaii as well. Um, my, my parents, my dad especially, um, you know, one day in the spring of 92 was like, hey, actually 91, I should say it was a year uh, plus before we actually made the move said something to the effect of, hey, you know, I, I got this great career opportunity in the States. It's outside of Chicago. He meant Ohio, but yes. <laughs> he tried to pitch it because he knew we loved the Chicago Bulls growing up. We had heard about the deep dish pizza. We had it actually in Hong Kong, in fact. So, so he pitched it to us as, hey, we're moving to somewhere outside of Chicago. <laughs> so the plan was that we would transition in Hawaii first, uh, so before going to the Midwest from Hong Kong, so we'll stop in Hawaii, um, just have kind of a summer vacation as a family before making the, the transition full-time to living in the States uh, in Ohio. And I mean, we were having a great time surfing, collecting shells, <laughs> you know, eating roast pork, all kinds of fun things, right? And then, um, then it was time to go. And I remember landing in Cincinnati, no offense to Ohioans and my, my friends in Cincinnati, but it was not what <laughs> my dad It's not Hawaii. It's not Hawaii, nor yeah. is it Chicago even. Yeah. So it was so quaint. And uh, growing up in Hong Kong, which is a very busy international hub, right? People from around the world come through Hong Kong for a number of reasons. Plenty of different types of people live and coexist together in this very small <laughs> city state. And so, uh, I mean, Cincinnati was literally a world away. It, it was so different. And um, I, I just remember like this, and I'll say it was a letdown <laughs> in a way, because uh, my dad, I think, you know, painted for us a, a much different picture. But I'll say, right, that the, the years that I did spend growing up there, they were very wholesome years, um, you know, made great friends, yet there were, yeah, just these things that I think my parents hadn't even anticipated, right, in terms of moving to a new place, um, having to start fresh, we didn't really know that many people, and my brother and I talk about this a lot in that we think back to that time as really us building resilience <laughs> and agility it served us well, I, I think, uh, you know, unbeknownst to us at the time. I mean, as kids, it, it was hard, right? Like, we looked different. We ate different foods. I remember there was an instance where uh, my mom packed me a lunch. You're going to laugh, Ryan. My mom packed me a lunch of chicken feet. So imagine, you know, you're 10 or 11. We're all a little weird at that time, right, in our mm -hmm. lives. 
and all I want to do is just fit in with the cool girls. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Like wear my scrunchie, you know, my neon, this and that, my trapper keeper in one hand. And then I opened this box of food and it was chicken feed. <laughs> and everybody looked at me. And I remember being so mortified. And I went home literally crying because I said, mom, how could you embarrass me well, like that? Well, chicken feed is a, is a delicacy in the Asian culture. Well, that's what she said. She goes, yeah. I show my love to you through my food. How could you reject it that way? And that was the beginning of me understanding that we all show right, love and care in our own special way. Uh, so I know people talk about love languages, but I go in, in the little gestures that we do, um, it really shows who we are. Um, yet, you know, the, the, the trick sometimes is it may, you know, we really want to fit it to the right context, the right person. But, but it did show me that, hey, my mom was just trying to be nice. She just wanted me to have a healthy, delicious lunch, um, but she forgot the context. <laughs> yes. but, but, you know, we learned, we both learned. So, so from that day on, I learned to be more specific about what a good lunch would be, right? If she were able to make me lunch, great. If not, I'll just buy it um, using my own allowance. But, but it, it taught me, hey, you know, this is an opportunity to communicate. <laughs> okay, Sylvia, settle the age old question. Settle the, the, because we had this discussion in my home last night. Okay. Settle the age old question. <laughs> Skyline or Gold Star? Skyline. Is there even a question? <laughs> I like both, but I prefer Skyline. I go, there's no question. This is a Skyline household. We <laughs> went through. I even thought about it the other day. So I told Luke, my significant other, I said, you know, I actually think that like only so many people, like half a dozen people know the recipe to Skyline. Like yeah. I actually, right. So I go, what, what's like a thing that is similar to that in terms of its secrecy, right? The top, you know, secret recipe, like family hell recipe. And he couldn't think of anything else. So but anyway, um, just it's so cinnamon, by the way, there, there, there is, if you Google on the internet, you, you can find like the knockoff skyline mm -hmm. chili and they actually put cinnamon in it. And, and, yes. but what I love, and I was telling my wife last night, what I love and, and forgive us for getting off on a tangent, but if you live, if you've been around Cincinnati or you lived in Cincinnati, you'll understand this. What I love is when you go to both places. You get the you get the cheese yes. on top of the three way. Yes. Yeah, and and it's kind of piled up there like that. I always ask for extra cheese. I'm like, just give me more oh, extra. There's cheese. never enough. I always and have the, the extra baggie. <laughs> yes, and and the little oyster crackers. Yes. are divine. It's just I, I love it, and and it's like oh my good, you know when we when when we when you get near Cincinnati, mm -hmm. when you get near Cincinnati. And you're going to be there if you're going there for a Reds game, which a lot of people from my area go to Reds games mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, that's what they'll, they'll go to Skyline or Gold Star, whatever they prefer. And, and it's just, it's what, but I had to ask someone who grew up in Cincinnati <laughs> and my good buddy, Bob Sager, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I should have asked Bob what he prefers. I'm going to have to text him after we get done and say Skyline or Gold Star. So you know, what would happen, Brian, if somebody said neither, would, would your heart break? Uh, it would. Yes, <laughs> it, it would be like saying I grew up in Cincinnati and I was an Indians fan or something like that. I'm like, oh, no, there's so no actually, hope for you. I do legit know Cincinnatians who are deniers <laughs> of chili, like Cincinnati style chili. They're like, nope, that's 
I, I will never eat it. I don't care for it. And I will never tell anybody about it. And I'm like, how could you? <laughs> but you mentioned, here's here's something interesting that, that I want to pull a little more conversation out. You mentioned your dad had you geared up to go to Chicago. You guys love the Bulls. Um, you know, the last dance. I, I was a Bulls yeah. fan. I, I was a Bulls fan growing up. Loved yeah. Michael and Scotty and Oof. Dennis Rodman and John yeah. Paxson and, and, and all those guys. I was a Bulls fan growing up myself but you you move to Hawaii and you come to Cincinnati and you think to yourself this isn't what we were promised mm -hmm. do you think do you wonder now had you grown up in the Chicago area as opposed to growing up in the Cincinnati area how different your life would be because now you do live in the Chicago area yes do you wonder how different your life would be and do you think your dad kind of had some insight that you guys weren't aware of of where you guys were going and how good it would actually be for your family? So my dad is a man of faith and he believes that, right, there is a divine plan. So he he believes that we we were exactly where God called us to be. And I, I, I agree uh, at the same time. So at the time it was hard, right? As kids, you know, I go, when can we go to the Bulls games? <laughs> we, we actually never did growing up. <laughs> Very sad. We watch it on TV, but um, so I think we were exactly where we were meant to be, and and you know the the trajectory uh, that is set us on, and both my brother and me, uh, I think was exactly what was meant to happen. So so I, I trace that back, and I go, yes, of course, you know, life would have been different had I landed somewhere else. Um, I would have met different people. I would have been exposed to you know perhaps different types of people, groups of people, different things all together, different climates and environments. And, uh, but at the same time, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's, I, I think it, it unfolded the way it was supposed to unfold. Um, and, and we, you know, it, it was a really wholesome upbringing and very safe, uh, you know, so, and I think about the abundance that we had, uh, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, even though I probably as a teenager was a little bit of a brat. <laughs> I won't lie about As that. most of us are, <laughs> yes. That's yes. funny because I reconnected with some high school friends and I'm like, do they remember like the 16-year-old me or the late 30s me now? Like, like how, how do they compare and contrast yeah. the two versions of me? Uh, but regardless, I, I think it was, you know, had we landed somewhere like, let's say, out in California, right? In LA, where there are more, um, say, transplants from the Asia Pacific, who knows, right? Maybe... I, I would have completely um, transformed into somebody else difference. And, and uh, I mean, it's hard to say, Brian, but I, I think about that in terms of just our choices, right? So, uh, you know, I, I love the way you asked it. I just think about there are these moments when we choose, um, when we have the choice. And we're actually, we have more choices and we're more moments of choice than, than sometimes we realize. Um, but I go, hey, you know, even, even though I personally didn't have a choice of where my family ended up settling, I did have a choice in how I showed up, right? What I made right. of it, how I, you know, chose to interact with people around me, you know, w w what opportunities I decided to go after or didn't go after. So those were things that, you know, as I reflect, I go, you know, we, we really are each a choice uh, at, at so many points in the day and in the week. And it's how, how you know, how, how firm can we be um, in, in our choices and, and to honor, right. Kind of what's, what's in our hearts. By the way, I have my Cincinnati Bengals desk. <laughs> so, you know, just, just saying, I, I am, that. Rep I am representing, 
I you are. Yes. I, my, I should have grabbed my can of Skyline Chili. <laughs> well, I'm taking notes with my Bengals pen too. Sylvia, I want to ask you, did you, and I want to go here for just a quick second. Did you always kind of figure you were going to go into business and sales or was that something because, you know, in, in people's lives and, I, and if you're watching on YouTube, she's broken out into a huge <laughs> smile, but if you, you know, but you know, sometimes we, we take paths in life. That's not the path that we, this, that we would have taken initially. Mm. How did you kind of take that path into business and sales? I had such a conflicting time deciding what to be because, so again, two opposing parents, right? So one parent was always like, you know, be, be careful of people. <laughs> um, she was an introvert. She's still an introvert. Um, more so now <laughs> at her age than before even. So she had this notion that, hey, uh, you know, people are uh, troublesome, <laughs> right? Dealing with people is troublesome. So she, she, you know, prefer more introverted types of occupation. So at one point I was like, oh, maybe like, you know, I'll go into research and not have to talk to people. <laughs> yes. and, then, and then there was my dad who, I mean, he still owns the business that he started before I was born even. So he's run this business for, you know, over 40 years. And I, I so I, I would go to the office with him on Saturday mornings and watch him, you know, take calls, deal with customers. You know, I type the prospect letters <laughs> on a typewriter. <laughs> at the age of like seven and eight. Um, so, you know, I saw how he- That's what had... we call free labor, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I took that it was my college fund. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I invested in my future by typing letters on Saturday. <laughs> and for those of you who can't see, I, I'm doing the little typing motion <laughs> yes. with my two hands because that's yes. what it, it felt like. Like I was like pounding out these letters, you know, from eight to 12 every Saturday. Um, so I saw the way my dad had so much joy interacting with other people. And I saw the way they were joyful as a result of their interacting with him. So, you know, I saw, hey, how cool is that, right? My, my dad is helping people. He's bringing something meaningful to their lives. Just, you know, th through his own interactions with them, they leave feeling better, right? Or, or having a solution that they didn't realize they could have. And so I saw that. So it was very conflicting, right? So I, I one parent was very much about people, the other not so much. <laughs> so I actually went to college thinking that I was like every, no offense, Asian person going to be a doctor. I went to Johns Hopkins University <laughs> to, wow. to, to, you know, become a doctor or with the plan to become one. And um, halfway through my freshman year, you know, th th this was new to me at the time, Brian. I had a moment, you know, where I just felt very um, inauthentic. Right here, I was going to lab, <laughs> I was going to all these classes, and I was joyless. I, I, I just didn't want to be there. I, I said, you know what? I, I want to see the world. I want to meet people. I want to learn about people, cultures, you know, ways of life. I want to see things and do more things besides just... <laughs> studying cadavers yes <laughs> no offense to those of those those are my friends who did become doctors and really phenomenal uh, medical professionals um so I had this moment of even just checking in with myself that was a first you know here I was 18 ish and for the first time I asked myself what do you want to do Sylvia <laughs> and to actually give myself that grace right and and that patience to go hey you know what it's okay if you don't yet know and it's okay to ask and it's okay to seek. And that was the beginning of me seeking other people who welcomed 
the questions, who welcome the searching, who welcome, right? Just, hey, me go, kind of going, I don't know, yet I'm eager to figure it out um, and, and, you know, experiment and, and, and find what is that path for me. So, uh, and, and since that point, I've, you know, gone on to do many different things and gone on many trips and to figure that out. And that has been the best education for me, in my opinion. I've got to ask you, and, and uh, if, if you catch me looking down, I'm writing down some things. I, I, I think that, let me, let me go here real quick, if you, if you do this pretty quickly. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life and the, and the lesson that you learned from it. Oh, you know, in... <laughs> I have to say, um, and, and this is not one obstacle in one episode, um, I think it's this notion of really staying true to, to my path, right? So, so in, in sales, I feel like um, there are just all these misconceptions by others who don't, you know, do uh, and practice our craft. There are people who say things and are not as encouraging. <laughs> as maybe we want them to be. And I think it's it's learning to kind of tune that out, right? So for instance, I remember when I started my business uh, two and a half years ago, I'm not exaggerating, Brian, I had a guy call me. So this guy and I worked together years ago, you know, uh, he called me after not talking to me for some years and basically went so far as to say, I must have failed uh, in being a sales leader, you know, for me to come out and start my own business. And to me, you know, it is hard uh, because I, I, I do take in people's words very seriously. I, I, I am, for all intents and purposes, a very passionate person. Um, and, and it is hard for me to fathom how anybody could be so negative or so unencouraging. And so it, it's, you know, times like those when, when again, like I, I, I have to really sit there and go, why, why would they say such a thing, right? What is it about them? <laughs> that prompted them to say such painful and hurtful things, right? Like, like most people would have called me like, congratulations, right? Or they might have just been curious, like, tell me what happened. Like, how, how did you decide to start your business? Not outright to go, hey, you must have failed in corporate in yeah. order for you to come out. But, but that, that, those, those obstacles come up a lot, I think, for people like you and me, Brian, in that we're out here um, right, challenging conventional notions. We're out here pushing the envelope. We are seeing things that aren't, you know, as common practice yet, right, in, in business. Right. And, and I think it does invite people's skepticism, maybe even fear, certainly doubt. And, and it's those moments when I have to go, okay, like, again, back, coming full circle to go, okay, they, they, they must be hurting in some way, right? Or they just don't know what they don't know. And it's easy for me to react to be like WTF, right? Yes. <laughs> but I go, that doesn't help anybody, right? That doesn't bridge any understanding. That doesn't you know, it, that's not even authentic to me in a way. I mean, it's an easy reaction. Well, WTF meaning why the frown? Of course. Why the frown? Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> yes. a new way we can interpret I, WTF. Why I, the frown? I like, I like that. Yeah. So, you know, I so so it's not a major, major obstacle as some might imagine, like a giant hill I had to climb, but it's it's those daily grinds, if you will. Like when 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 I hear those negative words again, not to be psychoanalyzing myself here, it does remind me of my, my, my mom, right? Yeah. Seeing those negative things, seeing those hurtful things, seeing those really um, just like 
kind of pressure, you know, fill things and, and, and it is triggering, right? So it's to go, how can I stop the cycle? How can I, you know, redirect, not so much like to, to not answer the person, but to go, Hey, like, what if I could show this person something different, something that they hadn't experienced before, which is encouragement, which is right. Kindness, which is grace, compassion, patience. So, but, but those are trying things for ID yes. to do. So that's what I mean by by obstacle. Share with us, last question. I have loved our conversations. So right back at you, my friend. Yes. Share with us the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you have for folks. Stay in abundance. Having an abundance mindset, um, first of all, there are many misconceptions about what that is but you know if anybody wants to continue the conversation with me about that or read up on that please do I say you know stay in abundance in 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 your mindset in your practices in how you show up you know daily in your behaviors it has been a major difference maker in my career growth in my personal relationships in the opportunities that show up abundance begets abundance so I want to leave our listeners with that encouragement today. That is so good. Sylvia, tell folks where they can find you, where they can connect with you, how they can get in touch with you, get your resources. You're going to want to connect with Sylvia. Tell folks how they can do that. Well, two ways. One is I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I'm Sylvia, that's S-I-L-V-I-A. Uh, and I'm L-I, uh, not L-E-E. So uh, Sylvia Lee. So um, that's where people can find me. And I'm in a blue dress <laughs> in case you find other Sylvia Lees on LinkedIn. And a very lovely LinkedIn picture, I must say. Why, thank you. So a friend of mine took that photo. So thank you, Jemis. <laughs> Big hand plug for my friend, Jemis the photographer. And um, another way that people can find me going forward is at Enable You. So uh, I'm the interim president uh, of Enable You. That's uh, Enable, E-N-A. B-L-E, and then the letter U. So uh, enableyou.com is uh, where folks can find me going forward. That is so awesome. Sylvia Lee, you are the best. I so appreciate our friendship, the time that you gave today. And thank you so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you for having me, Brian. Good to see you always. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.